Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now here on Forward Radio, WFMPLP Louisville. My name is Justin Mogg, your host for this program every week here on 106.5 FM, your grassroots community radio station broadcasting 24-7 at 106.5 and forwardradio.org. No matter where you are in the world, you can pick us up because of our live stream. And you can listen to our podcast versions of our programs. They're all archived there at forwardradio.org. We also really encourage you to go check out our website now in this season of giving to help sustain us for another year on the air. Coming up in April, we'll be celebrating our fourth birthday. It's been four amazing years of people-powered radio taking back these airwaves from corporate control, government control, putting it in the hands of the people, putting you behind the microphone. That's what this station is all about and it only happens because you support it at forwardradio.org. Click on Donate. Give whatever you can today in this season of giving. Maybe you could become a monthly sponsor. Uh, if you chip in 20 bucks, you're sponsoring an entire day's broadcast. So consider supporting us at forwardradio.org. And also click on Participate and become a part of our radio station. We need volunteers behind the scenes as well as behind the f- microphones. Maybe you got an idea for a show. Maybe you want to do a one-time broadcast just to get your feet wet. You can do that with our access hour anytime you want. Or maybe you're ready to commit and start working on a weekly program like this one. We'll go to forwardradio.org, click participate, and become a part of it today. Well, what we do each week here on Sustainability Now is dive deeply into different topics of interest. And today, uh, for this holiday week, I am going to take us back to uh, November to hear some highlights from 2020. We're going to hear from the Louisville Sustainability Summit, which was on the theme of climate crossroads, exploring the intersection of climate change and social justice. And I think they did a great job of it. And one special highlight for me was the food justice panel that I'm going to play for you now. It featured Cassa Heron, who's a board member of the Louisville Community Grocery, and they are having their 12 days of cooperation right now, trying to get folks involved in the community grocery and consider becoming members before the year is out. If you join and get a lifetime membership now, you can help us get towards our goal of 800 members in order to put a down payment on a piece of property and start really building this store. Together we can do it if we cooperate and we all co-invest. So go to LouisvilleCommunityGrocery.com to learn more about that and the 12 days of cooperation. Uh, I'll be telling, talking more about that in our community calendar coming up at the end of the program, so do stay tuned. Uh, and we're also going to hear from this panel from Sean Therese Martin, the amazing, the inspiring founder of Feed the West and uh, Black Market uh, KY. Well, Uh, With no further ado, I'm going to turn it over to them. And then while you're listening, get your calendars out and your pencils sharpened and get ready to take action for sustainability this week here on Sustainability Now. I'll just reintroduce myself a little bit and uh, share just a little bit more about the co-op and then pitch it to Chantree. Again, I'm board chair and president of the Louisville Association for Community Economics. In 2017, we incorporated as a way to educate our, or have a space really, to educate our community more about cooperative economics and how we can apply that to open a community grocery, a co-op grocery store. And last summer, we incorporated the Louisville Community Grocery as a limited cooperative association, a new business category that the legislature changed um, sometime, a few years ago now that allows cooperatives, um, non-producer cooperatives to exist in our state. 
we have been organizing our community communities starting first in neighborhoods who had new roots fresh stops um i have been a member of new roots as a shareholder and we started organizing in those neighborhoods for a couple of reasons one there was already a group of people who were organized and used accustomed to using cooperative economics to get access to to local and organic uh, fruits and vegetables and uh, the neighborhoods that we chose either had lost a grocery store or did not have a grocery store so over a few years we talked to people about what they wanted to see in a grocery store shared more about cooperative economics and have since organized a, a nonprofit board and a cooperative board to help us reach the goal of opening a cooperatively owned grocery in one of the neighborhoods we are in the throes of pre pre-development we are um, finishing a pro forma and business plan uh, we have one that looks pretty good right now and trying to you know get those assumptions more firm and selling ownership shares we are at a little over 300 owners right now uh, hey everybody, this is Chantrice. I'm the director of Feed the West and owner of Black Market. Like Cass, I'm also a member of the Louisville Community Grocery Co-op. And one thing I'll say as part of my intro is, much like Cass, I've been working on food justice for years. For some reason this year it's trending, which, you know, it's nice to see, uh, but a lot of people are jumping in and I want people to understand the difference between the wording for food apartheid versus food desert. Uh, food desert has been used a lot in years past, but food desert makes it seem like it's a local problem with, or that there's a problem with the individuals who need food, as in they don't know how to make good decisions or healthy decisions. When we think about it as a food apartheid, we look at the root causes, we look at the influence of white supremacy on food ecosystems, and we look beyond just what food can you access, but what is surrounding that access? What other things are hindering healthy food and healthy living. Um, so I'm very excited to be here with Casa because she's been such a leader on the research for this, uh, for Louisville specifically, but also because she is one of the many Black women in Louisville creating concrete change and not just making reports or just talking about the problem. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited about that. And one thing I, I definitely want to talk about in addition to the differences between the food apartheid and food deserts is what you specifically see as a barrier to your participation in changing the food landscape here in Louisville specifically, because we can be an innovator. We can be a blueprint for the rest of the country when it comes to food justice. And I really want to encourage people to lean into this work uh, and to make sure you, you find a place to get in. You don't have to do every single thing, but it's imperative that we have more people involved so that we can have long-term sustainable solutions. Um, and the last thing I'll say is that I've been very proud that Feed the West has served so many people. To date, we have served 30,000 people in the West End, and that's in large part thanks to places like the Louisville Community Grocery Co-op and others like Black Lives Matter Louisville that have helped us really reach those who are most in need, those who are most vulnerable. So I wanted to share that the work that we are engaged in uh, for those who are not familiar with the term solidarity economy, that food system development and the work in which Chantrice and I are both um, a part of, we really identify with being a part of that economy, really looking at how we shape our systems to be more generative and not more this transactional or ways in which we are exploiting communities taking away from, that we're really looking at the assets of the community and we're building enterprises that are based on cooperation and people's needs and people's assets, and that we're building those enterprises in cooperation with other enterprises to support this new economy that we're, that we're looking forward to having and envisioning. 
What are some of the things that people want to know about? We've got one question in the Q&A right now. It's from Dana. What are the chances of having an Aldi in the West End of Louisville? You want to take that one, Kathy? <laughs> uh, you should talk to our economic development folks about that. I mean, they say that they talk to all the, you know, just about all of the traditional grocery stores or corporate-owned grocery stores that they had been able to get in touch with to make that case. So I don't know if if the West Louisville, if West Louisville is a community that Aldi sees as a place where they want to do business. Uh, but Chantrice and I are certainly building grocery models that we um, we know are going to serve our community and are encouraging other people to do the same. Yeah, and I'll say, um, so Feed the West has partnered with Trader Joe, and many of you may already know this, but Trader Joe and Aldi have similar family members when it comes to their ownership. Uh, their model is very similar. And so we've been trying to push for Black Market, for Louisville Community Grocery, for the Parkland Food Mart to be partners, equity partners, so that places like Trader Joe, Aldi's, Whole Foods, these bigger corporations can funnel food and inventory to us, which will lower the cost for us to operate and it means that we can lo offer lower prices so yeah i haven't heard that aldi's going to come specifically but we're working on alternatives so we still get that level of quality or better um yeah definitely dana trainer joe's would be amazing uh they've been donating every sunday but we want to make this a longer term partnership and something mm -hmm. sustainable um, so that we know we're going to have certain inventory with donations. You never know what you're going to get. They're always good from Trader Joe, but it's different week to week. But we want to give people the consistency they deserve. Oh, and Dana, donating to Feed the West. So every Sunday, Trader Joe's donate for our elders. They donate enough for about 50 bags of groceries, as well as plants and uh, things like that for our elders in the community. Both of the stores that we're working on will be bricks and mortar. The black market, Chantrice can tell more, but it's, I love the concept. She's repurposed an old Domino's pizza business on West Market at 25th Street. And Chantrice envisioned it being uh, really an online ordering operation, really providing opportunity for people to choose the food that they want to um, and, and show up and be served and be given, you know, given the food, um, not really have to come in and pack. It's going to be a smaller space. Um, Chantrice, what else do you want to add about your grocery? I'm just happy that I was able to say that. <laughs> Get it yeah, out. I'll say too, we're trying to make a reparations model. So historically in the West End, we've seen, as Cassa mentioned, all these grocery stores just disappear. I was born and raised in Louisville. We used to have Winn-Dixie. We used to have so many options, pick pack and things like that. So those who live in the West End who are unable to pay, you know, your whole food prices for healthy food, they're going to pay a lower price than those like me who may be in the West End but can afford Whole Foods. So we'll have an accomplice pricing model and a neighbor pricing model to sort of balance out the wealth disparity. The median income for most Russell residents is around $19,000. It fluctuates every year. It's one of the poorest zip codes in the state. So we're very intentional about that. I personally am not taking a salary or making any money so that we can use what would have been my salary for inventory to subsidize the food to make sure that people have good food, even if they don't have good income. And the Louisville Community Grocery is a cooperative model. It will look and feel like a traditional supermarket. The biggest difference will be in the ownership of the store. We have a board of the co-op that then hires um, a general manager that oversees the operations of the store. We do have an opportunity for workers, too, to be owners. So after three or four years, can own a share in, in the grocery store. We're excited about this store as well because we are really 
creating a market for local products. We really want this store to sell as much of uh, raw local food and processed food that we will sell through our deli. If you live in the West End or been in the West End or downtown, um, there aren't really many sit-down restaurants or places that people go to gather, particularly for lunch. And so I'm certainly looking forward to imagining a place or having a place where people from all across the community come and hang out in our deli or hang out outside on the picnic tables and they can pull up and get food from the co-op or maybe, you know, Miss Rebecca that's down the street sells the best, you know, quiche and she's also selling at a pop-up outside of the co-op. We really want the co-op to be a place where people can get good food, um, but we're also creating a market for local entrepreneurs, both our rural cousins farmers and also entre- food entrepreneurs in the city who are hopefully using chef space to incubate out of and, you know, maybe we can sell some of the products um, in our store. What's the timeline for the black market and the co-op? So we're probably on a two-year timeline. It's very ambitious. We um, are wrapping up our business planning at the end of this year. We're working with an awesome team of consultants and hope to make our location decision by the end of the year as well. We have two decent property opportunities and are starting to have conversations with those property owners. So about two years, Chantrice. Uh, For Black Market, we are opening on Black Friday this year. We'll have a one-day sale on Black Friday, and someone asked about local growers. So 100% of our produce is going to be coming from Black farmers in Kentucky. We've visited the Reevesville Farm, where our eggs will come from, in Paducah. We've visited the Maidel Farm in Danville. We're also working with Black Soil. So we want to make sure that Black Market, the inventory, it's not going to be juices and chips or tobacco or alcohol. It is primarily focused on the things you cannot easily access in the West End. So we're going to be probably about 60 to 70 percent just fresh fruits and vegetables and milk, your basic things that you can't get in other places. Uh, For me personally, I was on WIC when I was pregnant and when my son was very young. And it's difficult because there's only a certain line for it. So you feel like the poor one. They often don't have available. So you might have to go to a child. So we want to have an overlap of those WIC items to make sure that we are fulfilling the community need. Because right now, a lot of people are using Family Dollar and places like that as their grocery store. And there's a deficit of fresh fruits and vegetables. So we, we have a high priority for local farmers, especially Black farmers, because we know historically they've been disenfranchised. Um, and once uh, we're also going to work with Parkland Neighborhood Food. And once the grocery co-op opens, we'll, of course, do business with them and maybe bulk order together to save money, you know, and share any resources because Black Market won't be successful if the Louisville Community Grocery Co-op is not successful. We recognize the ecosystem. And as Cassa mentioned, we are a small operation. By no means do we plan to be a Kroger. We plan to be a neighborhood grocery store, a neighborhood market. And so it's going to take something like the Louisville Community Grocery over the next two to three years to make sure that we have something sustainable so that, you know, when all of you have graduated, when all of you are uh, talking about what you want for your families, there's not a deficit. There's not a bunch of missing pieces to the food justice work. Um, So we want to make sure we're uplifting all the positive locally based food options that are coming out. There's a question about how we're connecting with local producers. So a number of different ways, any way that we can. The beautiful thing about our leadership is that we have been in this work for a long time. So we have relationships based on what we do every day in our professions, uh, the work that we've done, the programs and projects that we've tried over the years. So we've got a great network of farmers 
and we're continuing to build that. Um, Shantrice has hit the ground running and getting us out on farms and, you know, getting to know people socially and learning about their farm operations and hearing from them. Uh, this winter is going to be a great time for us to sit down with them. And so we, we know a lot of producers and continue to meet them. Um, with the grocery store, we have an operations committee that is um, starting to figure out, you know, who our distributor is going to be and who our local vendors are going to be and what those processes are like. And local farmers are serving in that committee. So we're in direct communication with local producers. There's a question about how people can join the co-op. Uh, if you go to our website, louisvillecommunitygrocery.com and click under join us, you can buy uh, an ownership share for $150. We are encouraging people who have more money to do a couple of things. You can purchase a $125 share to offset a $25 share for folks who don't have a $150 um, to buy into the share. And we also have an opportunity for our owners to offer us no interest uh, loan. So if you're an owner of the grocery store and you've got a couple of thousand dollars that you could do without for a few years, we would enter into uh, a loan agreement with you to have you invest that money. There's a question about what has been our biggest obstacle and I used to say funding and funding certainly is uh, an obstacle and it's been an obstacle for us, not for funding of the store. We don't, we don't quite have our business model down all the way, but it's been funding the, the organizing. It's been funding a position so we get hire people to help us do the outreach, to help us figure out what the partnerships can be for the grocery store that will help increase revenue or help decrease some of our costs. Um, we finally have had the opportunity to hire an ownership advocate. Her name is Lisa Ann, and Lisa has been on the ground running for one month, and we've increased our ownership shares by 40 in a month. Um, her job is helping us connect with all the folks that we already know. Those of you who, who run programs or do a lot of work, people power is worth investing in. It's the thing that makes everything run. And there's no way that we're going to get this done if we don't have folks like Lisa Ann going out and making connections and organizing opportunities for us to talk to people and bring people together to talk about the grocery store. So having funding early on to support the infrastructure of a new nonprofit and a community development project has been the most challenging. I think the other piece is just people not believing. People not believing that regular people can do the thing that our elected officials and economic development professionals haven't been able to do in, in 12 or 15 or 20 years. That local people don't know their communities or don't have the ability to bring our resources together to create the kind of things. And so what we're hoping that we're modeling, we're hoping that it's going to take us, you know, it's taken us the 10 years to build a grocery store and it's not going to take other people this long to do the kinds of things in the community that we know that we have the skills and the vision for. We just need the resources and support to make them happen. And uh, similarly for Black Market, the most difficult thing has been sort of the back end stuff. So there's definitely community buy-in. We have a lot of people from the neighborhood who come and volunteer. For us, it's been things like taxes and making sure that all the back end logistics are together. You know, for me, I have a full-time job separate from any of this. And so Black Market is volunteer run. We don't have employees. We just have folks who believe in food justice work. So having that backbone, having the paperwork on the back end has been the most challenging part, but thankfully we have a lot of community partners who have stepped up to help support. 
And then the other thing I would say is just, you know, the, the typical roadblock with starting a business <laughs> and making sure that you have all your ducks in a row. And I'm just grateful that we have so many people willing to support us in this work. There's a question I wanted to address. It kind of got buried in the chat box, but it says, okay. I was curious about specific definitions of things like food deserts and really basic questions. What sort of food resources do non-grocery store communities have for food? What is the role of co-ops in fighting the food apartheid? I feel like I've heard like three questions there. <laughs> I would just say that around definition, Chantry's kind of touched on this. So food deserts by definition are a local area, community, um, a neighborhood that has limited access to food based on some USDA definition. I call those neighborhoods, neighborhoods with limited access. Um, I don't like the term food deserts. I heard one of the Black Lives Matter organizers or founders say, uh, the person's name is M and M is a, a scientist. And M, I've never really liked the term food deserts. I didn't really know why. And then when I heard M say, deserts are natural phenomenons in our in our world and food deserts aren't. There are decisions that were made, there are policies that were passed that have made it so that these communities aren't being invested in and that the same way in which communities in West Louisville don't have access to grocery stores, there are whole counties in our state that don't have access to the grocery store and they have to cross the county line to go to a Walmart. And I don't necessarily call those communities food deserts. I just say that we're communities who haven't been invested in in the same way and others have been. The co-op model is different because as we continue to say, the corporate model of grocery stores have not been working in our communities for a long, for a long time. And there's research on um, a little bit on why, why that is the case. And the, the co-op model is one that's about investing in local communities and using the assets, the assets of people, the assets that those assets have. People know other people. They have a little bit of money and networks and really utilizing the asset of people power to create the kind of businesses that we want. And so the co-op model is one that is going to be locally owned, um, locally based, local people get to make the decisions. And LACE is helping to support a cooperative ecosystem so that we can do business with other cooperatives. And our money isn't, the money that is being circulated in our community is staying more locally, staying more in Kentucky and not leaking and, and going to pay shareholders who don't live in our communities or don't care if we have access to organic arugula or not. <laughs> so the, the other thing I want to say is we actually just finished visiting a co-op grocery store in Maryland. It's one that I used to be an owner in. The glut in Maryland has been around since the 60s. And the dollar in that community, Mount Rainier, Maryland, it just keeps flipping within that community on that block. There are, I believe, eight Black-owned businesses, and within the grocery store, many of the items inside are from local Black businesses. So it's turning the dollar, it's reducing a carbon footprint, it's building entrepreneurs and making sure they have resources, connecting them with others. And so those are the sorts of things we want to model with the co-op, making sure that we are looking at community first instead of just focusing on profit which is why I don't advocate for larger nationwide corporations to come in and do food work because their bottom line will always be profit, whereas our bottom line will always be the people. And so it's imperative that we have co-ops, that we have small markets, that we have food marts that are run by people who are from and in 
the communities that are most disenfranchised. So I'm really excited to see what's happening and to see the ways we can learn from some of the other co-ops around the country and make something that is tailored to Louisville specifically, because it's not just the West End. There are places like Berrytown and Newburgh and Smoketown where there are folks who are low income and treated like they're second class citizens, given food that is spoiled, given food that is just not up to par, that those CEOs at those corporations would not feed their own families. And so we want to uplift those families and make sure we improve the quality of life. And yeah, Dana, we don't want to live by everyone else's rules because that's how we got in the food apartheid in the first place. There was a question from Joan about how just average folks can get involved. Uh, One, you can become an owner of the grocery store, particularly if you live close to downtown or in West Louisville. The way in which we set up the co-op, what you get out of once the grocery store starts making money, the dividends will be based on your patronage. So if you shop at the grocery store, it will reflect the investment that you put into it. So we're really encouraging people to purchase shares in the co-op if you plan to shop there or purchase a $125 share that would allow folks in our neighborhood, particularly our low-income seniors and low-income young people, to be able to make a lower investment. And then invite us to come talk to your friends. That's one of the things that our owner advocate is, that's our job, is to get us out and get the word out. And so talk to your neighbors and talk to the folks at your PTA or however the way in which you are organized with other people in your network and let them know what we're doing and um, invite them to to make an investment. Uh, We also have volunteer opportunities for folks. So if you're interested in getting in our sticky web, I know uh, Chantrice also has opportunities at Black Market and Change Today, Change Tomorrow always um, have stuff going on, particularly with Feed the West to volunteer. So you can drop us an email, um, hit us up on all of our, we're we're on, all of our organizations are on all the social mediums. So um, yeah, tell us who you are and what you're interested in. We can get you plugged in. And I'm on the co-op board as well as uh, the owner of Black Market. So even if you have a question about the co-op board, you can still email it to me and I'll get you to the right place. As Cassa mentioned, we are always looking for volunteers, but it would be great to have owners who are in the community and owners who are excited about getting their neighbors involved. So yeah, please reach out to us. And um, our social for Black Market is at Black Market KY on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can follow both me and Cass on Twitter. Her Twitter is a little more lit than mine because I don't participate in Twitter <laughs> except to come see what she wrote. <laughs> but definitely follow us I on there. Twitter. I used to hate it, but I love it. So there's a question about, is there a way to incorporate community uh, gardens into these models? Do you think that that would be beneficial in the communities? So yes, I think that there is a way. I I know that for the the grocery store, we're definitely privileging producers because economies of scale is what makes the price structure kind of work. And when we're talking about building a just transition and talking about farmers being able to create markets, a lot of those farmers are growing on a small scale. So uh, what the what the co-op will, will create is a market opportunity for them to grow larger as our customer base grows. We've seen that with the fresh stops. We've seen that with the farmer's markets is that these smaller markets, whether it's a farmer's market or the fresh stops become a market opportunity for farmers. And then they're able to expand their business based on growing this new, developing with this new market yeah. base. And so the same way for community gardens, I think the way in which we can partner with community gardens is for those gardens to really grow 
items that we can't get in other places in Kentucky, or we don't have producers that are growing the kinds of products that particularly folks in our community from their home countries, they've been able to, um, they were growing that in their home country and can't get it here. And so we would love to partner, particularly with um, other growers of color who are growing products specific to their ethnic group or to their culture that they can't get in other places. And we'd be able to buy that um, maybe across a few different markets and, and get those products in our store. What about yeah, you, and, um, so we have You're a, actually growing a garden, right? Yeah. Yeah, Black Market, we have about a half acre of land total, um, and we are growing food. We're looking at sweet potatoes, garlic, and a couple greens. Uh, we also have some indoor grow units that we're working with uh, that we got donated. So we'll be growing stuff year round inside. And our garden, I wouldn't necessarily call it a community garden. It is a teaching garden. So we have a space for young people and for our elders to come and grow. And we have sort of an experimental model. So we are also working on getting a a specialty crop grant from the USDA so that we can have, you know, maybe we focus on sweet potatoes and someone else focuses on uh, grains or garlic or whatever it may be so that we don't have to depend so heavily on the grocery stores for our produce. That, that has been really big for us. And we'd also like to eventually buy some other vacant lots and turn them into gardens. But part of the issue is the West End has a lot of contaminated soil. So it would need to be raised beds, which, you know, can increase the cost. So we're definitely looking at uh, community gardens around the country with similar climates to ours um, so that we can participate more fruitfully in like prevention of environmental damage. There, uh, somebody posted why is the soil contaminated. So the West End has a lot of factories, just like a lot of low-income areas around the country. There's Rubber Town, uh, and just historically, it has been so underdeveloped and just trashed on, essentially, that a lot of the soil is bad from the runoff. We recently had a soil test at Black Market. It's actually better than a lot of the land in the West End, but just to be safe, we're doing raised beds. But you'll see that in most communities that have a lack of food access, they also have high levels of contamination in the soil. So that's something we have to be aware of. And, you know, just making sure that we're cognizant as we go forward and figuring out what we can do to repair some of that contamination because remediation Mm -hmm. is possible, but it's a long process. So Brooke asked a great question. What is a policy change that can improve food apartheid in Louisville? It's all about money and investment. The Metro Council appropriated a three and a half million dollar bond in this past budget to support a community grocery. Uh, We hope to be able to apply for that bid, for that money pretty soon. But it was the first time that the city has floated um, a bond appropriation specifically for something about this in the same way in which we've used bonds to help the CJ rebuild their their property and and build a new printer. We allowed uh, bonds to be used for, for Churchill Downs, bonds to be used for building of hotels. So the same way in which we make investments in other economic development projects, we should be making sure that our Metro Council is making those forward kind of investments. Bonds are loans that the city takes out and hoping that pe- that we're, we're making money and that the city government will be able to pay those back in the future based on you know, job created and the money being turned around in those developments. And so the same risk that we take with other entrepreneurs, we should be making those same sorts of investments in people of color and projects that are led by people in the neighborhoods that are affected by them. That's one policy change. Another policy change would be to make our utility companies reinvest in our community in the way in which we want. I'm 
our food apartheid issue is related to other environmental issues. And so whenever we tell LGNA that they can operate the lights in our community, we should be making sure that LGNA is investing in a way that allows community owners to reinvest in uh, energy efficiency in their homes. But we've got to be able to make those decisions and force our elected officials to make the sorts of investments in these projects or else nothing is going to change. Yeah, and I'll say similar to the energy issue, it would be really great if businesses, for example, could get heightened tax credits based on hiring people from the community. We have so many environmental issues that are worse in the West End than in other parts of Louisville. And I would love to see policies that focus on rewarding folks in the West End who are doing their best to protect the environment. I've talked a lot to a lot to neighbors in the Russell and Parkland areas about solar panels and about how we conserve water and things like that. So people are trying. And I, I want there to be policies that give them credit for those attempts, because if you're already struggling with eviction and with transportation and childcare issues, and on top of that, you are working to make the, the earth better, I think you should be getting credit for that. So I would love to see some policies around that. It's a good question. Thank but you, Brooke, Brooke. I, I would just encourage folks to really start organizing and thinking about what are the policies that our local government should be changing to help support getting food to regular people and really enhancing um, our local food system. That's, that's It's a topic that we all should be thinking about and forcing our elected officials to think about as well. And last year, I think it was during uh, Governor Bashir's race, Mayor Fisher got up and talked about his environmental justice initiative. There was a big rally. KFPC and other organizations were there. And I think CASA was speaking at that one. And, you know, he made promises about improving issues related to climate change. So holding those folks accountable is really important. And looking at who else is doing this work and supporting them. So I highly recommend looking into some of those actions that are available. And um, I think someone asked about an email. So mine is feedthewest at change-today.org. I just want to compliment the council on organizing this event today. It's been great to participate and be a part of, and thanks for having us. And that was the highlight from the 2020 Louisville Sustainability Summit featuring Cassa Heron, a board member from the Louisville Community Grocery, and Sean Therese Martin from Feed the West. They spoke in a uh, food justice breakout panel during the uh, November 12th Louisville Sustainability Summit on Climate Crossroads, exploring the intersection of climate change and social justice. It was put on by the Louisville Sustainability Council, and you can learn more about them at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org slash summit. Well, stay tuned, my friends. Get your calendars out, get your pencils sharp, and get ready to take action for sustainability. Yes, even during this holiday week, it is vital that we all participate in making sustainability a reality now. And there's actually a lot of opportunities to do that this week. So get ready, folks. Stay tuned. To the rising sun. See, there's always changes coming. We can rise a long way up. Till we come back down around again Start a new day in the sun Sweet, sweet song of my soul Come with me, let's find the gold 
And with the sweet sounds of Appalatin behind me now, you can learn more about them at Appalatin.com. And many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their great local music on the podcast versions of our programs, which you can find at forwardradio.org. You're tuned in to 106.5 FM, WFMP, Forward Radio, your community radio station. My name is Justin Mogg. This is Sustainability Now, and it will only be sustainable now if we all get involved in helping make it happen. So this is the week to get engaged in sustainability. And there's a lot of wonderful ways to do so. Uh, Certainly first want to remind you, especially since we just heard from the Louisville Sustainability Council and their annual summit, that applications are now being accepted for the Louisville Sustainability Council's 2020 Community Microgrant Program. The Louisville Sustainability Council, through its Do Something Green program, offers these microgrants to support innovative entrepreneurial projects and programs that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions and plan for the impact of a warmer future on our most vulnerable citizens. The Louisville Sustainability Council microgrant program provides grants to these local projects uh, and with the following characteristics. They, they have to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, they have to strengthen community connections, create an equitable present and future, promote environmental education, provide a model for financially sustainable conservation, demonstrate resilience in the face of climate change, leverage the grant to multiply the impact, and reflect the vision and the mission of the Louisville Sustainability Council. Recipients will receive between $250 and $2,500 towards their project and will have access to Louisville Sustainability Council events, programs, and mentors and the opportunity to partner their work with Louisville Sustainability Council initiatives. A maximum of $5,000 will be awarded during this grant cycle. To apply, you need to be a Louisville Metro resident, and anyone in the area can apply, including individuals, institutions, businesses, and nonprofit organizations. Students and entrepreneurs are encouraged to apply. The proposed activities must largely take place in the greater Louisville Metro area. Projects should have a direct impact on greenhouse gas emissions reductions while also considering community equity and general environmental sustainability. Projects can be new or existing, but preference is given to projects that are innovative, impactful, and sustainable. And the council is particularly interested in supporting local projects or programs that have shown early signs of success. Applicants must complete the online application by the deadline, including proposed project budget and timeline. Round one submissions are due by the end of January 2021, January 30th, with notification of the award coming on March 1st. So you can apply now. You can learn more at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org slash microgrant. Also want to remind you that Louisville Metro is working on a new master plan for Broadway. And now is the time to submit your feedback for the Broadway All the Way reimagining process. You can take the 10-minute survey now at broadwayalltheway.org. This is a visionary transportation planning process to reimagine the entire corridor that we sit on here uh, in Forward Radio in the Hayburn building, all the way from Shawnee Park to Baxter 
Avenue, prioritizing safety, mobility, accessibility, and equity. Yes, prioritizing people over cars. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Metro's team has developed a series of draft plans for the four unique sections of Broadway and questions to better understand community priorities for the Strip now and in the future. This survey covers issues such as transit and bus stops, crosswalks, lighting, green infrastructure, and stormwater infiltration, sidewalks and multi-use paths, parking and public plazas and gathering spaces. It is really cool to see some of the visions that they have sketched out for uh, what Broadway could look like in the future. It'll only take about 10 to 15 minutes to complete, and you'll learn a lot in doing it. So go to broadwayalltheway.org and submit your feedback today. Also want to let you know that Louisville Metro Parks is seeking volunteers to help plant trees in Louisville Parks now through February 28th. Metro Parks seeks citizens to volunteer with their tree planting team this winter and get one-on-one training from the fantastic staff at Metro Parks. Volunteers will work with staff to plant saplings in a dozen different public parks throughout the city. Volunteer shifts are available Monday through Friday, either 8.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. or 12.30 p.m. to 2 30 p.m. They pre-dig the tree holes and place the trees to help make this an easier project. No experience is necessary, and it's a great opportunity to learn more about planting and caring for young trees. Masks are required at all times while volunteering. Bring a water bottle and work gloves if you have them, and wear sturdy clothes, toes, shoes. For more information, you can contact Sarah Flarsheim at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Flarsheim, F-L-A-R-S-H-E-I-M at Lua ky.gov or you can give her a call at 502-901-8191 advanced sign up is required and you can find the link to learn more and register at facebook.com slash parks l-o-u-k-y parks or on the parks website which you can find at louisvilleky.gov Now, it is the holiday season. Maybe you're doing some last-minute shopping. Well, shop local this holiday season, and now you can even do so online, all in one place, at a new website called shoplocallou.com. The Louisville Independent Business Alliance has launched this new website, offering a wide variety of items from their local independent member businesses. Purchases from many local uh, locals. Uh, you can purchase from many locals all in one transaction at shoplocallou.com. You can pick up your items curbside, and sometime soon they'll be offering shipping or delivery as well. Your purchases support the buy local movement as well as these businesses, some of which you may not even know about. So keep more dollars circulating locally and keep Louisville weird. This is really a vital component of sustainability, folks. Keeping our dollars here in our community, supporting our local economy, making Louisville a thriving place and not dependent on outside money and not sending our hard-earned dollars elsewhere. There's also a section of the website just to support black-owned businesses and businesses owned by women, veterans, disabled, LGBTQX, and people of color. Or you can search exclusively for locally made items or gifts on a budget for under 25 bucks. More local businesses are joining daily and adding products, so be sure to check back frequently at shoplocallou.com.
And as I mentioned earlier, we are in the final days of the 12 days of cooperation. The Louisville Community Groceries major outreach event for the holidays runs through December 23rd. The idea is that Let's gift in solidarity together. They're taking the 12 days of Christmas and applying them to 12 different days of teaching, training, activities, gifting, and celebration, all tying back to the mission and values of the cooperative. The goal is to bring in at least 500 new owners this month, bringing us to our total of 800 owners by New Year's Eve so we can decide on and announce the location of our full-size store at the all-owner meeting that will take place on January 19th. So there's a couple more ways to get involved in the 12 Days of Cooperation. And this is great for folks who are doing some last-minute shopping. You procrastinators out there, you can support the cooperative uh, and get what you need just in time. They are doing holiday card deliveries ongoing. You can order your pack of 12 holiday holiday cards at lufoodcoop.com slash 12 days. Choose a date through December 23rd, and they'll confirm the address and time for delivery or pickup, whichever you prefer. They're also offering a really cool date night delivery. What a special gift this would be for a loved one. You can have a special wintry night in with someone you love while supporting the Louisville Community Grocery. Your date night delivery includes a wine and cheese pairing from Cultured Cheese Shop and a ticket for two for a private session at the Louisville Salt Cave. Choose a date through December 23rd at lufoodcoop.com slash 12 days and they'll confirm your address and time for delivery or pickup and uh, their delivery partner is up and coming black woman-owned local delivery app limitless and finally they are doing local holiday gift boxes for your team with activities and local goodies for businesses and employers to buy for their employees along with the louisville community grocery ownerships you can order yours at lufoodcoop.com 12 days choose a date through december 23rd and they'll confirm the address and time for delivery or pickup whichever you prefer full details and registration you can find it at lufoodcoop.com 12 days and that is the number one, two days. Also want to let you know that on Saturday, December 26th, there'll be a night hike out at the Louisville Nature Center from 7 to 8 p.m. The Nature Center is at 3745 Illinois Avenue, and you can join them for a guided hike through the forest after dark. Located in the center of Louisville and adjacent to the Beargrass Creek State Nature Preserve, the Louisville Nature Center offers nature and sustainability education as well as an urban wilderness experience. The unique urban forest includes two miles of hiking trails through the 41-acre Beargrass Creek State Nature Preserve and 30 acres of surrounding forest. The Nature Center and Preserve are located in an upland and floodplain forest that has over 180 species of trees, shrubs, and flowering plants. It's also home to over 150 species of resident and migratory birds and other animals. The grounds include a nature play area, a bird blind, a rain garden, and a sensory garden that are home to butterflies, hummingbirds, and beneficial insects, as well as the center itself, which houses a few reptiles and amphibians, as well as other native wildlife specimens. Now, due to the pandemic, this event will be limited to a max of 10 participants and masks will be required, but you can register now at louisvillenaturecenter.org for the Saturday, December 26th, 7 p.m. night hike. Also, Saturday, December 26th begins Christmas tree composting. Now, maybe, oh, you're thinking it's Christmas hasn't even happened yet. It's too early, but make your plans now to uh, send that 
tree to composting instead of the landfill. Do something good with your tree. Starting this Saturday, the 26th, drop-off sites will be available for all Jefferson County residents at four locations. The Hubbard's Lane site will also instantly recycle Christmas trees into mulch that will be offered back to citizens for home use. Those wishing to receive mulch must bring an appropriate container in which to carry it. All lights and ornaments should be removed from trees before they're dropped off or set out for collection. Now, the hours and locations are as follows. They're Tuesday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., starting this Saturday the 26th and running through the end of January. And the three locations you can drop off your Christmas trees for composting are the East District Recycling Center at 595 North Hubbard's Lane. And again, that's the place to go if you want to take some uh, wood chips back home with you. Uh, the Public Works Yard at 10500 Lower River Road, uh, Inter from Bethany Lane or the Waste Reduction Center here in downtown Louisville in the Merriweather neighborhood at 636 Merriweather Avenue. And that one closes at 3 p.m. on Saturdays. There'll also be some reduced holiday hours. They'll be closing at 1 p.m. on December 31st and closed on January 1st and Saturday the 16th of January. Louisville Metro Public Works will also provide curbside pickup of Christmas trees within the Urban Services District, the old city of Louisville boundaries, after the holiday. Residents with city curbside yard waste pickup may simply set their Christmas trees in greenery out on their regular collection day. Trees must, again, not be in plastic bags, and all decorations must be removed. Nobody is going to de-decorate your tree for you and take all the plastic off before it's composted. So please just put your raw tree out there and it'll get composted. Residents normally serviced by private waste haulers should check with those companies to see whether and when tree pickup is available. And again, more information about this is on the city's website, louisvilleky.gov. Also want to let you know about another great weekly volunteer event, Hip Hop Cares Sunday Serve. It's every Sunday, including this December 27th, from 11 a.m. to noon at First and Broadway under the overpass. Hip Hop Cares serves between two and 300 members of our community who are experiencing hunger and who are homeless. This pandemic has posed many challenges, particularly for our friends that they serve. We need you and would love more volunteer involvement. There are several ways you can help. If you'd like to make food for our Sunday serve, they would love it. We continue to practice social distancing and wear masks. Volunteers prepare meals and place them in a to-go container and bring them to First and Broadway on Sundays at 10.45 a.m. They prepare hot meals that usually include a protein, a starch, a vegetable, or fruit, and a dessert. And they try to keep the cost around $1.50 per meal. If you would like to attend the Sunday serve and volunteer, that's also great. Just sign up on online. You can also just drop off items that you're able to donate or a volunteer can arrange to pick them up from you wherever you are. Uh, there's always need for things like water and socks, uh, packaged snacks such as crackers, chips, cookies, and cakes, gift cards to uh, local groceries, toiletries, and basic necessities. You can find more information and the link to register to volunteer at facebook.com slash hiphop cares 502 and that's hip hop cares the number 502 every sunday including this december 27th 11 a.m to noon at first and broadway check it out a really cool thing going on in our community support the houseless 
And I also finally want to let you know about the Youth Influencers Virtual Camp. Uh, now is the time to get your kids registered. It's Monday the 28th through Wednesday the 30th, and it's free online via Zoom. This three-day virtual camp is for youth ages 13 to 18 and is hosted by the Peace Education Program. It will be a digital space where young people come together to build community, share stories, and create powerful social media messages in order to create real social challenges change. The camp is for teens who are looking to get involved in movements for change and to use their voice to uplift and inspire others online. You'll get to play games, practice using social media to interrupt violence and bullying, team up on real media projects, and learn from the stories of other young people who are changing the world through social media. These youth influencers camps are 100% led by Youth for Youth. You'll also be invited to join their online Discord community where young leaders from all over the city connect to share calls to action, resolve conflicts peacefully, and help each other make creative media projects. Don't miss the chance to meet, play, and work with other awesome young leaders in Louisville. Their Discord community has weekly youth-led programming where they meet up on Zoom to play games, learn about one another, and make creative media projects. This camp is free and is hosted by Zoom on Monday, December 28th, Tuesday the 29th, and Wednesday the 30th. Participants will meet from noon to 1.30 and again from 4 to 5.30 with the option to work on projects and activities in between sessions. Participants should plan to be present for the entirety of the camp time. You can register now while spots are still open at peaceeducationprogram.org. And if you got any questions, you can email Lijah Fossil at L-I-J-A-H at peaceeducationprogram.org. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I thank you all so much for tuning in. It's been great having your company for this hour. And I wish you the warmest of holiday seasons this week and into the new year. I hope you're keeping it cozy and (laughs) with your immediate bubble uh, and keeping it safe as we plow through the end times of this pandemic. Stay safe, stay well, stay masked up. And I'll be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Para alumbrar, para alumbrar